0: And we are back. Welcome back to another episode of the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse, and this is finally, finally, a winning edition podcast of the Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. Because I'm not depressed, because the Cincinnati Bengals finally won a game. They were on the board in the 2023 season, a 19 then 16 victory over the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night. Football, great crowd inside Pacor Stadium. White Tiger night, white out night, white jerseys, white helmets. Best NFL uniform combo out there. I'm not biased at all. And shout out to the crowd that made the trip to Cincinnati or live in Cincinnati or whatever. You guys made a difference. You guys were loud while watching the game on TV. Such a great atmosphere. It felt like a college football atmosphere. And... Yeah, great night at Cincinnati. The Bengals are on the board, and on this podcast, we're gonna do a box score recap as always. Positive and negatives. Titans game preview coming up on Sunday. Survival strategy to get to the bye week for the Bengals, and trivia questions at the end. Provided by Tommy Stewart, who is joining me on this podcast. Tommy, I know you're doing well, but how are you? Because you know, I'm only one. <laughs>
1: Doing, doing good. Excited to do this one after a win, and I have on from one of my trusted sources that it's your mom's birthday today. So happy birthday to her!
0: Oh, yeah. happy birthday to Penny! I know she doesn't listen to this podcast, but she knows that I'm a huge, huge Bengals fan and Houston's Night Sports fan podcast. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it is my mama's birthday. So if you guys listen to this podcast, give my mama a shout out. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay. Let's do the Boss score recap of this game. And before we do that, all week leading up to this game, everybody was wondering: Is Joe Burrow going to play? Is Jake Browning going to play? Is AJ McCarron going to going to play? Because the Bengals signed him last week into the practice squad. We had no idea. As a fan, I just had a feeling in my head that Joe Burrow was going to play because. He knew that this team was 0-2. You cannot start the season 0-3 because, yes, you only have – you got 14 games left of the season, Jesse, but 0-3, that would have been a tall order for this team. I know that this team has a lot of talent, but you're digging yourself a big hole starting the season 0-3. So that's why I I knew that Joe Burr was going to play on Monday night. Do you agree with me on that?
1: Yeah. I know it was up for debate, and – Uh, last week when we talked about this I was leaning towards hoping that we weren't going to play him but that was under the impression that he was very hurt and wouldn't be able to play like himself and he still wasn't quite himself obviously it's going to take a few weeks because he didn't really practice at all during the week and didn't hit any of the training camp but so that come that chemistry will come back he'll start looking like himself soon enough as long as we can keep him healthy, but um, I'm glad that he ended up playing and being able to lead this team to our first victory.
0: Yeah, me too. There were some people on social media were saying, well, I don't know if I want to take a 50% Joe Burrow. I'd rather take a 100% Jake Browning over Joe Burrow being 50%. I'm like, I would take... (laughs) Yeah, No disrespect to Jake Browning. I would take Joe Burrow at 30% over a 100% healthy Jake Browning. That's just me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Joe Burrow is so good. I mean, he's obviously not looking like himself right now, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. And, I mean, why would you take – why would you rather have a backup who has thrown one career pass, which was an incompletion, and – decide that you I don't know that doesn't make any sense to me I would I would rather have him at 50 percent the only reason I would not want him in at 50 percent and take Jake Browning instead was if I thought that the 50 percent Joe Burrow was going to get hurt again and then be at zero percent for the rest of the year
0: right like that's that's a good that's a very good point I think that if the Bengals were two and like two and one or not two and one if the Bengals started the season one and one and they were like, okay, Joe, you need to sit this game out for Monday night and have Jake Browning start just so you can get some rest. I would have been okay with that. But pretty much with the season on the line and you're 0-2, I, it's a good idea that Joe plays, even though he's not healthy, obviously. But I take my chances with Joe Burrow over Jake Browning. But, you know, neither say or they. Whatever. All right. Fosco recap. Now, the Bengals got the ball to begin the game. They went nine plays, 37 yards, took three minutes and 34 seconds off the clock. Evan McPherson missed a 56 yard field goal. And I remember we okay, me and Tommy vowed that. We were not gonna text each other during the first half of Bengal games. It's, it's really hard to do that. But I remember when you when Evan missed the field goal, you were like, I swear Evan's just good at like crunch situations. When it comes to these field goals, dude just be missing like the random fugles and it's like what is going on
1: <laughs> this dude i'm convinced can only hit 50 plus yard goals if his <laughs> life depends on it
0: it makes no sense
1: and then he's oh. as much as you could possibly be but in the, right. the the boring the mundane kicks it's almost like he just doesn't care that much
0: i, I- know it's like evan are you like fucking with us right now it <laughs> seems like yeah, it's, true, it's but true. True. he does. Did- up in this game he had a really good kicking game he did so he missed that and the rams get the ball to begin their first offensive drive of the game and they went eight plays 43 yards took three minutes and four seconds off the clock on first and 10 from the Bengals' twenty-four. tutu atwell he was shot out of cannon on this reverse play that initially was ruled a touchdown 24 yards out but it was later reversed because his left heel touched the white line as he was trying to extend his body to the end zone. That was a key play. And what a heads-up, not a heads-up play, what a key initial play by safety Nick Scott that forced him to step on that line at that last moment to prevent the score. That was a huge swing in the game. After that reverse call, the Rams having the ball at first and goal from the two, the Bengals' defense stepped up, DJ Reader got a sack on the next play, and then two straight incomplete passes by Matthew Stafford, and the Rams had to settle for a field goal, so 3-0 LA. Big momentum shift right there, and then both offenses exchanged three and outs, and then on the Bengals, I believe the Bengals' third offensive drive, they went 12 plays, 48 yards, 6 minutes and 12 seconds off the clock, and then And then Evan McPherson field goal for 49 yards out, 3-3. And then the Rams' next drive went seven plays, 70 yards, three minutes and six seconds off the clock. The Bengals' defense held serve in the goal line again. Of course, another field goal by the Rams, 6-3. And then Logan Wilson's first interception was tipped by Mike Hilton. What a play. They had to review it, but it was upheld. Big play right there. And then at the end of the first half, the Bengals offense was able to get a drive in for points, six plays, 26 yards, took a minute and 13 seconds off the clock. It ended in a McPherson 53-yard field goal as time expired, 6-6, halftime score. And then the second half, the Rams get the ball, drove nine plays, 51 yards, four minutes and 23 seconds off the clock. The defense was able to stand tall again, forcing another field goal. 9 6 Rams. And then the Bengals' first offensive drive of the second half was the best drive of the game 10 plays, 75 yards, took five minutes and three seconds off the clock. It was featuring Jamar Chase in that drive and ended in a Joe Mixon 14 yard touchdown run. The Bengals' first lead of 2023, 13 9. And then the next, the next, then the next Rams' drive, another Logan Wilson interception second play of that drive and then the Bengals capitalized with six plays 48 yards took a minute and 46 seconds off the clock key play in that drive was Burrow to chase for 43 yards on a fake sweep rollout play to set themselves up for points and it ended in the McPherson 48-yard field goal 16-9 Bengals man the Bengals defense was wrecking havoc on the Rams off the line in the second half. And then the Bengals' next offensive drive, looking to put them away on first and 10 from the Rams' 37. Bird threw a pass to Tyler Boyd, and then Akil Weatherspoon made one hell of a catch for the pick. I was like, initially, I'm like, did Tyler Boyd catch that? And then we saw the replay. I'm like, motherfucker made a one-handed pick. That was a great play for him. You have to get up to him right there. It kept L.A. in the game and took away potential points for the Bengals in that drive. But once again, the Bengals' defense, dominant in the second half, forcing three and outs and sacking Stafford all half. And then in the fourth quarter, McPherson connected on a 54-yard field goal to make it 19-9 Bengals. And then later in the minutes of the game, Rams get their first touchdown in the game, but it was set up by blown coverages on second and 18 from the Bengals' 40 as they left Puka Nakua, Wide open for a 37-yard gain to set them up in first and goal from the three. And then third on, and then third in goal, Matthew Stafford found Atwell wide open. Another bad miscommunication on that play. 19-16, so we're all sweating. Here comes the onside kick. It didn't get the kick the Rams wanted as it was recovered by tight end Mitchell Wilcox. Game over. Bengals on the board. In 2023. Here are your stats for the Bengals. Joe Burr, 26 for 49. Jesus Christ, 49 pass attempts. 259 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked twice. He had a QBR of 25.2. Joe Mixon had another solid day on the ground, 19 carries for 65 yards, 3.4 average per rush, and that rushing touchdown. Jamar Chase, Welcome to 2023, 12 catches, 141, 11.8 average yards per catch. Tyler Boyd, he was catching the ball early in the game, five catches for 39 yards. T. Higgins, after having a great game against Baltimore, in this one on Monday night, two catches, 21 yards, and three drops. The defense, man, defense with the story of this game, Dax Hill, year two, off to a great start. In this game, he had eight tackles, one huge sack on Matthew Stafford, two tackle for losses, one quarterback hit. And then my guy, Trey Henderson, who I picked, that he's going to lead the league in sacks. He had two sacks in this game, two tackle for losses, two quarterback hits. DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Sam Hubbard each had a sack. Logan Wilson with those two interceptions. And then Charlie Jones had a great, great punt return day. night. Four returns, 45 yards. average yard per return with a long of 19. And that is your box score recap of the Bengals' victory over the Rams. Tom, you got anything to add before we go through our positives and negatives of this game?
1: I think you hit it all from that perspective, so I'm good to go to the the positives and negatives for this one.
0: Bet, bet, bet. So my first positive, and I think this was one where everyone was Concerned about Jamar Chase, and it's like, oh no, Jamar hasn't looked at himself the first two games. Oh no, his body language doesn't look good in the field. He's complaining, blah, blah, blah. You got to realize his boy, his quarterback, is not healthy. And obviously, teams are going to be double teaming Jamar Chase. He's one of the best receivers in the league. And he's obviously frustrated with the play calling. Like we said last week in the podcast, the Bengals. And Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor, they're not taking shots down the field as much. So in this game, Joe Burrow was obviously wanting to feed his boy. And Jamar Chase looked like Jamar Chase. And early on, you saw the Bengals getting him in slot positions, moving around in motion, and just, just trying to find a way to get him going. And they finally did. Even though there were short passes, It was just good to see Jamar Chase catching those. And then once he caught the first one, he just kept going. He got into a rhythm. And I just love that. And that was vintage Jamar Chase from his rookie year. Like, he was dominant in that game. The Rams couldn't guard him on the slot. So, that was my first positive. Got anything to add on that?
1: I'm glad that we were finally able to scheme Jamar Chase open. We we talked about this last week, too, where it felt like – for this the first two games in the year the only way that we thought the only way that it seemed we thought it was possible to get jamar chase the ball was a screen route at the line of scrimmage which we were talking it's like there's so many better ways to scheme your best players open that are like 10 or 12 yard routes and we did a lot of that there was a lot of dig routes a lot of comebacks um, nothing like 50 yard bombs down the field that we capitalized on, but still like getting 10 to 15 yard chunk plays like that is it helps get a new set of downs. It helps, you know, stay, just get a little bit closer to where you need to be. And a lot of times we are starting drives with not horrible field position. There were definitely far back for some of them, but we ended up getting good field position a few times. Um, I have some more as well, but, at least on the Jamar Chase side of things. I'm glad that we were able to scheme him open instead of just doing all these screen routes that everyone could see coming.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree with you. And I just think just for him to catch the football and finally get into rhythm, I think that's what all Bengals fans and that's what all his teammates wanted is just to, have Jamar Chase just get going, get into rhythm, like you said, designing schemes. And, obviously, we want the big plays down the field. But if it has to be like what the Bengals did on Monday night to get Jamar Chase the ball early and often, I'm okay with it because sooner or later he's going to – beat one of the safeties and beat one of the cornerbacks for a long, long play. And you saw in that sweep play, which was a beautiful design call right there. And Joe Burr finally in that game was able to move around the pocket just a little bit to find Jamar Chase open for that big yardage reception. So glad that Jamar is back. I hope so. And then my second positive, Joe Mixon had another good game on the ground. I think that he was a little bit out of rhythm in the second half. You saw at times when Joe Burrow did hand off the ball to him and he kept running into like a big polish of line that I'm just like, Mixon, go, go, go straight or don't be cutting over there. There's a, it's like there's no room right there. It, it kind of felt like deja vu of last year, but he was limited to only seven rushes in the first half because the Bengals threw the ball 31 times in the first half, which makes no sense. But Joe Mixon looks healthy. I said last year his ankle, when he hurt it in the Steeler game in the opener, it was plaguing him all season. And just for him to look like he has another explosive step on his feet so far this year, it's a good sign for the Bengals. And then the offensive line has held up good these first three games and some people are saying well I don't know about that Jesse Spurs still getting hit and I'm like is he getting hit more than he did last year Uh, no he's not because here's a stat that I saw that really caught my eye so the times sacked through three games in the Zach Taylor era meaning how many sacks this team has allowed in the offensive line in the first three games of the season in 2019 it was Andy Dalton He was sacked 11 times through three games. 2020, Joe Burrow's year, 10 times. 2021, 10 times. 2022, last year, 15 times. And so far this year, in 2023, five sacks allowed. That's really good. And then quarterback hits taken through three games during the Zach Taylor era. In 2019, 14. In 2020, Joe Burrow's rookie year, 30 quarterback hits. Jesus Christ. And then in 2021, 17, and then last year, 29, and so far this year, only 20 quarterback hits. So the offensive line is doing a really, really good job. Granted, Bolson didn't have the best night. He was going to get. He was going up against Aaron Donald, but other than that, Jonah Williams had a perfect pro football focus grade of 100%. Jonah was great on Monday night, so shout out to him. Atlanta Brown Jr. has been great as well. Great addition to that line. I think the offensive line is doing a great job. You agree with that?
1: I do. Yeah, I have a few positives about them, actually, on my list. So when I, if you are done with all your positives, I'll go into mine. But I definitely am, generally speaking, a fan of what the offensive line has done, especially what they did on
0: Monday. For sure, for sure. Okay, I'll finish up my positives. Dax Hill. <clears throat> Coming out game for Dax Hill. Year two. Big expectations for this kid. Everyone's thinking, oh, my God, we lost Jesse Bates and Von Bell. The free agency, the safety room, it's going to be the weak spot for this team. But so far this year, Dax Hill has really stepped up his game. This guy has already played 216 snaps so far. So, 112 snaps at the free state free safety position, 38 in the box, 38 in the slot, nine at the corner position, five on the line of scrimmage, the D-line, and then 14 on special teams. And so far, Dax Hill has 20 total tackles, six defensive stops, four quarterback pressures, one huge sack, interception, and one pass breakup. He is doing a phenomenal job. He is such an athlete. He can play in so many positions. And there's a reason why the Bengals drafted him in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. This is what we expected from Dax Hill. Honestly, it's not really surprising. Just for him to learn from Bates and Bell last year while playing some time and getting some reps. And now having Nick Scott, who's a veteran, helping him out during the offseason. And during training camp, I think Dax Hill is just taking that next leap in year two, and he's only, only going to get better. And then the Bengals defensive line. (laughs) Six sacks. (laughs) Six sacks on Monday night. And it was led by Trey Henderson, who, by the way, pro football focus, top five edge rushers in pass rush win rate. Number one is Miles Garrett. Number two is Rashawn Gary. Number three is Nick Bosa, and number four is Trey Hendrickson, and number five is Mika Parsons. So Trey Hendrickson's off to a great, just great start this year, and the Bengals defensive line—if they can—they're not going to get six sacks again, okay? It's not going to happen every single game, but if they can just create that kind of pressure they did on Monday night, it's going to do wonders because they're going to get off the field a lot quicker. And the opposing quarterbacks just don't want to go back out there because they know that D-line is just going to be feasting. And I thought Miles Murphy had a good night. Joseph Asai had an impact as well. Just everyone in that D-line deserves a gold star. So well done for them. And then Logan Wilson is the most underrated linebacker in the NFL. This man has nine interceptions since the start of the 2019 season. Only Shaquille Leonard has more with 10. Logan doesn't really get enough credit for how good he is as a linebacker. He's very athletic as well. And he just continues to make interceptions, which <laughs> it boggles my mind. I'm just like, how is this bear making these picks? But you know what? It's helping the Bengals out there. And then Joe Burr was good enough in this game. No setbacks, no re injury to the calf. Obviously. He was protecting that calf, and you saw at times he didn't want to scramble out of the pocket because he's trying to protect that right calf. But overall, he was good enough to win this game, and like we said earlier, week by week, hopefully that calf just continues to get stronger. And then like like I said in the beginning of the podcast, the pay core stadium crowd was amazing and loud, total attendance of that game, 65,000. 158 crazy ass Bengals fans so shout out to the fans that were there on Monday night and that's pretty much my positives what you got
1: yeah one of the first things that I noticed that I was when I was writing this down was and I make fun of Zach Taylor and I know that we've gotten mad at him for doing this before but I feel like he aced his management of timeouts in this one which is an underrated positive There was the one time where he called, he realized that something was not up, not right with the defense. He ran to call the timeout and it took a touchdown off the board. They had to kick a field goal. So that saved us four points, essentially. And so that was a good use. There were a lot of times in the past where Zach Taylor would either not use a single timeout all game or burn all three of them in the first six minutes of the game. And this was the complete opposite side of the spectrum on that. So I'm happy that Zach Taylor actually did his timeout management properly for maybe the first time, at least that I can think of. So props to him for that in this game against the Rams and a little bit through the whole year, but especially against the Rams, we looked like a early 2000s AFC North defense, either like Baltimore or Pittsburgh, where it was just all sorts of pressure, really solid linebackers and just lunatics at the safety spots like Dax Hill and Nick Scott are all over the place Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson are probably two of the best ball hawking linebackers in the entire league and can also play against the run too decently. Well, I know our run defense hasn't been excellent, but they're good enough at it and really, really good in the past game. So props to the defense as a whole, but there were a lot of bright spots from the defense for this one, both on getting pressure and forcing turnovers. I know it made me a little nervous when I heard that Burrow was going to play because all I could think of was, oh, he's going to get like he's going to get injured. What if he makes it worse? And then we had to play with Jake Browning for the rest of the season. So it definitely made me nervous when he was going to play. But I knew that if he was going to play, it had to, we had to win. With it was non-negotiable because if we go zero and three, when every other team in the division is already two and one, it gets really hairy after that. And especially if. He got hurt, and in a loss, it would have been really tough to come back from an zero and three hole with a more injured starting quarterback. So that's kind of a neutral one instead of a positive. But I'm glad that we got the win because if if he was going to play, it it had to be a win. So I'm glad it was. I know last week when we were talking to we were talking kind of back and forth. I forget if we said it on the podcast or just if we were if it was something I texted to you beforehand. But we really needed to rely. In this one, on our defense and the run game, if Joe Burrow was going to play, we knew he wasn't going to be 100%, so we needed to rely on the other parts of our offense, and they at least listened to half of that suggestion, where (laughs) they at least relied on the defense. The the run game stuff will come as partially a negative, um, because 49 times is too many pass attempts, but I'll get into that when we talk about negatives, too, but at least relying on the defense was something that it seems like we're going to be able to do for the whole season, especially while Joe Burrow's finally getting to practice and getting that chemistry back with his receivers, that we can at least rely on the defense to keep us in games and not get down by 20 points and have to have a 50% Joe Burrow climb out of a 20-point hole. So that's nice. I'm proud of our defense. The run game... I mean, it's not incredible, but I still think we need to be utilizing it more because at the very least, it lets Joe Burrow not throw a hundred times a game. Also, this one's kind of a neutral or a positive and a negative, I guess. But the first possession was such like a kick to the fans where it was like, ah, it looked so good. It looked natural. We were flowing. The offense was great. And then you go and you get a couple Penalties, you kick a field goal, and so the the false starts, two back-to-back with the, the missed field goal early in the game was a negative, but as we've seen this team do many, many times in the Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor era, they did not freak out, they didn't panic, they were like, you know what, we'll get them on the next possession, let's just go play good defense and we know that the next time either the field goal is going in or we're ending up in the end zone anyway. So I'm glad that the team knew that they'd be able to figure it out. And even though the fans were starting to get a little little unsettled, and a little restless, the, the team knew that they were going to end up figuring it out by the end of the game, and they did. The Rams' offensive line was very banged up, obviously, for this one, but we just wreaked havoc on them the whole night. On, I mean, I know you said – where Trey is for his sack leader. And if TJ Watt wasn't on pace for 34 sacks this year, <laughs> then your pick for Trey being the sack leader in the NFL is looking pretty good right now, or it's at least looking definitely possible, but well, we might need TJ Watt to slow the fuck down if that's going to happen. Um,
0: I don't agree on pond players. I don't, but you just never know. <laughs> plays reckless out there. So he's bound to get like, Hurt, but i don't wish injury upon anybody even no. the dealer players but go ahead
1: sure yeah this one isn't a positive for us necessarily but i really i'm a big fan of this puka guy he was a lot of fun to watch they were talking about his backstory so i was a big fan of him i'm glad that i'm still glad we won the game but i like when other players on other teams do well but their team still loses when they're playing us so he was good he was fun to watch but i'm glad that they still lost too and then some more general stuff. The defense looked really stout. I've talked about that many times now, but I was really impressed with what we did, even against a, a banged-up team where they were trying to block for Stafford. Um, I, I I mean, honestly, through three games this year, I'm debating buying myself a Dax Hill jersey. This dude is unbelievable, and he had big shoes to fill. Like, Jesse Bates was a Pro Bowl-caliber close to all pro type of safety for year or for the few years that we've had him on our team. And he came in in his second year when he barely got any playing time his first year and just came very smoothly into his role and has been kicking butt ever since. So really proud of him. That's a a positive from this game and just the whole season so far. And everyone outside of Cordell Volson on the offensive line played really, really well. And I don't know who, on the team we're going to replace Cordell Volson with, because we can't put Jackson Carmen in there, because I would rather put a helmet on myself. And then when I die from that, you can just find a new podcast guest. <laughs> I, I don't know who we're going to replace him with, but he had a brutal night. He's had a brutal season. Um, frankly, I just don't think he's very good, but uh, you take what you get sometimes. So the rest of the offensive line, I thought played very well. Joe Burrow throws it very quickly, so it sometimes makes them look a little bit better. But the first play of the game, I think it was, I was audibly saying out loud how amazing the pocket time was, and it felt like he had five yards between him and anyone that was pressuring him, which was great. Exactly what you need for when your quarterback's not healthy. Also, we were talking about this. I know we vowed to each other not to text each other for halftime, and I made it 90 seconds, but it was close. I tried. I tried to stop. But I definitely had to. I had to get a few thoughts out. But Charlie Jones, it's okay I, to get, it, I think it's okay to get thoughts out. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm gonna just stop vowing this because I know I'm not gonna do it anyway. Um, <laughs> but I know we texted about this, and it's so irrational. But every time Charlie Jones touches the ball, I'm positive that he's going for a touchdown. Like every single time he's at back there for a punt return, I am so confident that it's gonna be a house call, and just from the one time that he's done it but he's really good and he navigates the space really well he's quick once he gets it and we for many years it felt like we had just like a a fair catch punt returner all the time back there it just wasn't very very fun like i'm i'm glad that we have a fun punt returner now which is it's 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 fun it felt like i mean when we had Pac-Man, he refused to fair catch. I don't think he ever fair caught in his entire career. Um, even when he should have. Those were those were fun times on the punt return game, too. So I'm glad we have someone like that. And also, you mentioned it, Logan Wilson is awesome. I mean, this 2020 draft, Burrow in the first round, T. Higgins in the second round, Logan Wilson in the third round is maybe one of the best Bengals draft classes of all time. And Logan Wilson is not someone that is going to be super flashy with it. He's not like, I don't know. I mean, he he just does everything you need him to do really well and is just like a perfect middle linebacker for a defense, really good leader, and somehow is (laughs) the best ball hawk linebacker I think I've ever seen and is a good field general back there, so... Some negatives as well, which we can get into and I'll let you go first, but I feel like there were a lot of positives this week, which I'm very excited about because I think I had more positives in this game alone than I did the two previous combined.
0: Well, because the winning recap podcast, so that's why we have a lot of positives. Those were good, sir. There are negatives in the wins, ladies and gentlemen. There's always going to be negatives, but not a lot as the first two weeks of the season. My first negative is the play calling. Phil Burr threw the ball 31 times in the first half. I think I talked about this during the boss score recap. I understand why Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan want Burr to throw the ball more just so he can get more reps because of him being out during training camp because of the cap and just not having that time with the team and the refs with the receivers i understand that but you do realize that he still is not 100% and you need to run the football in this game I, I i didn't get why they ran the ball 7 times in the first half but looking at this i don't think it's a negative i just it's a question mark i just don't want them to do this again 31 times for Joe Burr in the first half. No, he's not healthy right now. No, no. Not no. You gotta you gotta get the running game going. Then that was set up for play action, deep shots down the field, et cetera, et cetera. Just keep the defense guessing because we were in shotgun formation. It felt like all game. So thirty one times, no, 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 no. And then the penalties. Were ridiculous in this game. It stalled potential touchdown drives. I said potential because sometimes we get in the red zone. We don't really camp the lines as much as as we have so far this year. But the penalties, back to back false starts at home. That's just like undisciplined. And usually this Bengals team under Zach Taylor, very disciplined football team. They don't. They are like the probably one of them most least penalized teams in the NFL. So that was very frustrating because having those ridiculous penalties, it, it costs this team potential points in those drives. And then the, the offense needs to be better at starting the game fast. And the first drive, I was going to like made a, make a point here when you were talking about it for your positives. Even though we missed a field goal, I was hoping that Zach Taylor was going to go for it on fourth and three in the first offensive drive of the game. Because if you go for it and if you don't make it, okay, yeah, you gave the Rams good field position, but you got to get the offense in a gel, in a rhythm. So I thought they should have just went for it. I didn't really agree with kicking the field goal. It's like, yo, well, we got Evan McPherson. Yeah, I understand that. But the offense was looking pretty good in their first offensive drive. And then just to not go for the fourth and three, I don't know. I think if Joe Burrow was healthy, I think Zach Taylor would have went for it. And our punter, our rookie punter out of Michigan, Brad Robbins, <sighs> is it time – to call Drew Chrisman and get him back on the team. And I know Robbins has kicked a lot so far in his first three games of his NFL career. I saw a list that he is statistically the worst punter in the league. (laughs) And I'm just like, the Bengals aren't going to cut him. He is still going to have the starting job. They're going to give Robbins all the chances he wants, but he has to be better. He has a three-game sample size. It hasn't been good so far, but I don't want to give up on him just yet. But I'm going to need his punch to be way better than there is right now. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my negatives. <laughs> <with> you? <guys. laughs> I have
1: just about the same ones you do, honestly, but – um the first one, the big one is 49 times is too many pass attempts for your quarterback that is injured and was up until basically an hour before the game in debate of if he was going to play or not. That's too many times. And I think he, do you say 31 in the first half? So he was on pace for 60 plus through <clears> the <throat> first half. And I just, it seemed, whatever. It's too many times. That's just like, that's what it is. It's too many times. Dan Orlovsky on the pot, on the uh on the broadcast as he is one to do was talking about he said the the only person throwing the ball better right now than Matthew Stafford is Tua Tagovailoa which there's not much comment to this other than I was literally laughing out loud in my living room watching that because that's just an absurd comment but if that is true then that makes our defense all the better because we torched him so Maybe he is throwing it very well, but I don't see it. And he certainly did not look like that against our defense. So maybe our defense is more elite than I thought, if that's the case. I totally agree with you on the play calling. It is, it's flat. It's predictable for the most part. We actually got some decent drives put together with good play calling in the second half, where we got some, some touchdowns off of it. And it was a good mix of run and pass a little bit better. And... I mean, we started to have a little more explosiveness in the second half there. But overall, we just it's it's too flat and like immature play calling. I don't know if if that's the right word, but it's just not. I, I don't know, like once we started finally, like putting Jamar Chase in motion and having him go like all over the place and having him get the ball at the line of scrimmage, 10 yards away from the line of scrimmage, five yards. It looked so much better and more natural and gave us better opportunities to actually move down the field. And the first two weeks, it was horrible. And honestly, for about 60% of this game, it looked not great too. But maybe you can't, you know, try to change up too much when your quarterback's hurt. It's just like, let's just do what we know. And try to call better plays, but that still needs to get better. If we're going to have a lot of success the rest of the year, because when we start to play really good defenses later in the year, they're going to know what to do and they're going to be able to combat that a lot more. So we still need to figure that out. Um, You know, stats, eye test whatever metric you want to use. Brad Robbins stinks. And I think he can get better. Maybe do punters get better. Um, I don't know what it is, but his, I mean, second lowest average punt yards in the entire league. And he has had his fair share of chances to get that number up because we punt quite a bit so far. So I, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this one. Cause I don't really know how to evaluate punters all that often. But every time I look at this, I'm like, what, like, what are these punts? And if you draft a punter, you got to think he's going to be okay. Like, I don't know that, that confuses me. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm optimistic that he's going to get better. He's a rookie, whatever excuse or explanation you want to use is fine with me, but he needs to get better. Cause it's bad so far. Um, also, this is definitely just like a symptom of one game. This is not going to be, this is not a common thing, but how did T Higgins forget how to catch?
0: Dude, I, it, it I don't know if he was just like shocked that Burr got time to pocket. He was like, oh, wow. I don't know. It was just a strange game by T. It really was. I was like yelling. I was like, what are you doing, T?
1: Yeah, I mean, two at least, maybe three. I forget if you want to call the third one an actual drop, but at least two drops where it hit him right in the hands and he has to come down with those and he didn't. So. I think that's just a fluke game for T. I'm not worried about it, and I don't think that that will be a common thing. He's a really good receiver, but it was a negative in my book just because it was a bummer to see him not have a good game, especially when Jamar Chase was going crazy. It's a lot of fun when they both go crazy on the same days. So I was hoping that he would get uh, have a little better day, but he, he made some drops and not great plays. So that's all my negatives.
0: Well, don't worry. T. Higgins is – He is bound to have a bounce back game because he is going back to his hometown state of Tennessee. And that's where the Bengals will be at on Sunday, taking on the Tennessee Titans for the third straight year. The Bengals have played the Titans three straight times in Nashville. It just feels like the Bengals and Titans are always going to be playing each other in the regular season in Nashville. They haven't come to Cincinnati since 2020 during the COVID year. It's crazy. So, so far, we're going to do the Titans preview of this segment of the podcast. You got anyone to add for the Bengals, Rams, before we move on? No. A lot of positives, not as many negatives this time. Love it, love it. So, the Tennessee Titans, this game is on 1 o'clock on Fox Sunday, first day of October, crazy sheets. This year is flying by. So far, the Titans are 1-2 and two in the season. They had a week one loss in their opener at New Orleans to the Saints, 16 to 15, and then in week two they won their home opener against the Los Angeles Chargers in overtime, 27-24, and then last Sunday they got their asses crushed against the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland, 27 to three. The last three meetings, the Bengals have won all three. 2020 they won 31 to 20 in Cincinnati, and then 2021 they met up in the AFC Divisional playoff round where the Bengals won 19-16 in Tennessee. Evan McPherson walked off field goal to send the Bengals to the AFC Championship game. And then last year, they met in the regular season in Tennessee, obviously, and the Bengals won 20-16. So the Bengals are 3-0 against the Tennessee Titans in the Joe Burrow era. Ryan Tannehill, for some reason, is still the quarterback, even though the Titans have drafted two quarterbacks in the last two drafts in Malik Willis, and they drafted Will Levis in this year's draft. But somehow, Ryan Tannehill is still the quarterback. Makes no sense. And then they still got Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in the league. And then they acquired DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. Tannehill finally gets a receiver. And then they had Julio Jones. They had A.J. Brown. Is DeAndre Hopkins better? Probably. The defensive unit is still very good. Jeffrey Simmons still scares the shit out of me because of what he did in the playoff game. I get it. The Titans aren't good on paper, but this is Bengals-Titans. It feels like the Bengals are playing the Titans, and the Titans are in the AFC North. This is how this team is going to come down to who is going to be the more physical team in the line of scrimmage on both sides. It has been definitely been a deciding factors in the three wins for the Bengals. And you know that I'm not doing predictions anymore on this podcast because that doesn't go so well. And I didn't do a prediction for the Rams game and look, uh, look how that has turned out. So I'm not going to do that. But I think the key in this game is the Bengals' offense has to start fast. You got to score a touchdown. I get it. If you get if you get down the goal line and they stop you, sure, okay, kick the field goal, blah blah blah. But you got to score six. You got to get that offensive rhythm going like you did last year. And I know Joe Burrow is still not healthy. It's going to take time for him to get comfortable in that cap and to that cap to get a lot stronger. But this offense needs to get going. And early and get a lead early and put pressure on the Titans offense. I think that if you can do that, then you're going to win this game. But if you don't, and if you allow Tennessee to dominate the line of scrimmage, then it's going to be a long, long physical game. And I feel like this game is going to be like in the low 20s. And I think whoever scored the more touchdowns on the offensive side, the is going to win the game. But I feel like turnovers turnovers has been also one of the deciding factors in the last three meetings. So if the Bengals can get key turnovers in this game, then they should walk out of Nashville with another win. That will make it four in a row. Whew, we like pretty much take over that whole freaking city of Nashville. <laughs> Bengals coming to town. So, yeah, I think that this is going to be like last. I just have a feeling this is going to be like last year's game in the regular season. It's going to be that type of score in that range, but I'm not going to predict that score.
1: (laughs) I won't either. It worked for us last time. Maybe it'll work again this time, but we definitely have a very good chance of winning this game. I'm very optimistic about this one, more optimistic than I was about the Rams game. Honestly, Um, some more factors went into that one, but every time we play this team, um, honestly, just let Ryan Tannehill cook because he will set the kitchen on fire and I mean, his stats for the year, 59% completion, one touchdown, and three interceptions. And so you're like, oh, can you blame him? I mean, their receivers are terrible, right? And then you remember that they went out and got DeAndre Hopkins, who certainly can play football. And in his prime, I mean, he might be slightly past his prime. Maybe that's the problem. But I I honestly don't know what they're waiting for with replacing this guy. With, I mean, you draft Malik Willis, they clearly think he is trash because they basically wouldn't even put him in when the games didn't matter anymore last year. And, but I mean, you draft will Levis too. You got him way later in the draft than most people thought he was going to go. He was at the draft. Most people thought he was going to go. Was he at the draft? Either way, most people thought he was going to go first round was going to be probably the, one of the, the fourth or fifth quarterback taken. And, they don't want to go with him but I mean one touchdown and three picks is really bad honestly so I don't know what they're waiting for and also they can't even block for Derek Henry he's only averaging 3.2 yards per carry so far in the year and he has a ton of carries so he's still somewhere near the top 10 for rushing yards but his yards per carry is not good and so we have to be able to win this particular matchup with I mean, our run defense has not been very stellar so far, but it doesn't seem like this is going to be as tough of a trench battle for our defense as it normally would be, and ha- and how it has been the first couple weeks of the year. But I think that our run defense will do, you know, good enough enough that we have to force Ryan Tannehill to start throwing the ball more, which I'm positive will work out in our favor because I don't, I have never thought that he's very good since he and since he came to tennessee when he was in miami he wasn't half bad kind of like an andy dalton type now he stinks i don't really know what they're waiting for on switching him up but i'm okay with keeping him in for this week because i don't really want to play someone we have no tape on either the other thing about the titans is they have the second lowest yards per game on offense in the nfl they're actually one spot worse than we are so as as Ooh. As as bad as we've looked, especially in the first couple of weeks of the year and how Joe Burrow looks nowhere near himself with this injury so far, they're still doing worse than us. They have the third lowest pass yards per game. Ryan Tannehill's not very good, as we mentioned, as I mentioned at least. I know you're not slandering him, but I will. Tenth lowest in rush yards per game, if you can believe that. Even with Derrick Henry, they're still top, below or bottom ten in rush yards per game. And they're third lowest in points per game. So our defense has already been pretty solid on keeping the points down and keeping the pass yards um, down, which the Titans are already terrible at. Our run defense, even if they do a little bit better than they normally do, um, I don't think – the Titans haven't been able to block for Henry anyway. So I like our, our chances I like our chances a lot here to let our defense continue to be stout as they have been um, and especially were last week, stop them from scoring and doing what they want and maybe only need to score – You know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we only need to score 14 points to win this one because I could see the Titans getting one touchdown, maybe two field goals. That's 13 points. And I think if we can manage to get 14 or more, which I definitely think is manageable, then we win the game. So the keys kind of buried in there, but talking a little bit more, the Titans allow on defense now the fifth most passing yards per game, and he played Mac Jones. And Justin Herbert, who's good. And Derek Carr, who's not bad. But Mac Jones, I think through the first week when they played him, I think he had three hundred and fifty yards. Like, they're not that that's a if, if Mac Jones can do that, I think even a fifty percent Joe Burrow could go for three hundred. So we have to have a good plan going in. We have to fix the play calling a little bit. But I still like our our chances to have a good day in the air, maybe our first really good one of the year. And yeah, I mean the Titans defense made everyone up in Boston think that Mac Jones was the second coming. So I'm more <laughs> confident that even a an injured Joe Burrow will do just fine. The Titans also have the fourth best rushing yards per game allowed, which is definitely frustrating. Our run game, we've been trying to establish it. We've talked about needing to establish it. I'll be honest, I don't think that we should... I don't think we should try super hard to do that this week because it might just not get going they're really stout they're they're tough to run the ball against and so at least for this matchup when there's such a clear difference in the in their defense's ability to play the pass and the run i'm more okay with it this week if it's a little more skewed towards the pass game but still think we can't just let that talk us out of running the ball at all and the titans have only turned the ball over three times this year but i think that we'll probably need to force it maybe once or twice to keep Uh, the offense in good field position and make it easier to score touchdowns. But relying on the defense, once again, is going to be a big key because we need to get the offense going so that the defense doesn't have to bail us out all the time. And for the play calling, just keep it simple, but don't keep it predictable. It doesn't have to be crazy. We don't have to do all of these crazy plays, but um, just try not to be too predictable. And then if I was Mike variable, honestly, I would have Jeffrey Simmons on top of Cordell Volson the entire game. I would say wherever that dude is, go follow him because you're going to win that matchup. So, we're probably going to need to help him out. That's going to be a big key as well as if Jeffrey Simmons has his way especially with on Volson. A couple other interesting things for this one is will Derrick Henry actually be able to get going against our rushing defense which has not shown a crazy amount of promise so far, but their running blocking has not shown much promise either. Ryan Tannehill is stinky poo-poo, as I've mentioned a couple times, and I'm hoping that he at least stays like that for this week again. And in the last three games that Ryan Tannehill has played against the Bengals, which was once in 2020 and then twice last year, he's thrown three touchdowns and four picks. So nothing to be scared about, honestly, with him. Nissan Stadium is not exactly the most intimidating place to play, so I think that we can lean on that a little bit. Um, it gets loud, but nothing nothing crazy, really. And then I'm hoping that T. Higgins can have a bounce-back game after a weird prim- primetime game that he had, and hopefully we take a little bit more um, deep shots this game, especially against a defense that is allowing a lot of pass yards during the game.
0: Okay. Everything you just said, it's it sounds great, but – Come Sunday, when the game day nerves hit, I'm gonna be like, everything is a trap. Everything is a trap. It just has, it just has that feeling like, oh, well, Ryan Tannehill only has 548 passing yards. Derrick Henry 51 carries for only 163 yards. DeAndre Hopkins 153 receiving so far. It, it, I'm just looking at the roster. I don't know, man. I I think it's the, Cincinnati, it's the Cincinnati sport fan in me is thinking, oh, boy. We're thinking that, oh, we're going to win this game. And it's like everything is on our paper. Everything is the Bengals' advantage. And I'm just like, yeah, but I just think that the Titans know us well. And all these three meetings we've had against them have been tough, physical type of football games. I I, I hope you're right, man. Everything you said was great. I just hope that it, it comes into fruition.
1: <laughs> I hope so.
0: <laughs> like, I don't want the last thing I wanted this game to become like like a shootout. And I'm like, why is Ryan Tannehill in a shootout with us? That means our defense is playing like shit. And you said that he's been dirty duty poo-poo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> One touchdown, three picks. He's been sacked 13 times. Bengals defensive line. You don't have to repeat the six sack performance on Monday night, but you can you can generate pressure on this Titans offensive line. Please do not go to bed. Do not sleep. Please, please, please do not have a bad game. You, I want this defensive line to be consistent. That's all I want. That's all I want. This Titans O line do a good job blocking the Bengals defensive line. I I, I might lose it. I really might lose it. <laughs> so I'm just hoping that the Monday night game can be something that we can see from this Bengals defensive line front all season. I hope so. I really, oh my gosh. It's just, I don't know. Tommy, everything you just said right now, now I'm I'm in my head by right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all comes down to execution. You know, all this sounds great on paper, but if yeah. you don't, if we don't play good defense, if we can't stop the run, then these things get a lot, a lot harder to win the game. And I mean, if we get in a shootout with Ryan Tannehill, I'm feeling pretty good about that, but they are going to try their best to not have it come to that because they also know that he is not very good. Maybe they think he's good. I don't know how.
0: I don't know what they, I don't know what they see in him. Dude's like what, 38 years old, something like that. Like, (laughs) He's He's not young. Like, start Will Levis. It's not like you're going to go to playoffs this year or something. Like, holy hell.
1: Also, if Will Levis comes in and doesn't play that well, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, 59% completion, one touchdown, three picks. Will Levis probably won't do any worse than that. So, at the very least, you're getting him some pro experience, and he'll get you the exact same stats that your starter is right now.
0: Exactly. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But this game on Sunday, it's a big game. Am I calling it a must win? (sighs) I think it is because you don't want to go to one and three, but you're probably saying, or people are probably saying, well, they got to go to Arizona. They're not good. But actually, the Cardinals have looked good the first three games of the season. They've actually played competitive football, and they just beat the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday, just letting y'all know. That's not going to be an easy game. So, the Bengals have to get this win on Sunday. I think it is a must win. It really is. Okay. Survival strategy to get to the bye week for the Bengals. So, we got the Titans coming up on Sunday. We got Arizona next Sunday. And then the game before the bye week is against the Seattle Seahawks. That will be a home game. So, at Tennessee, at Arizona, and then a home game against Seattle. Here is the strategy for this Bengals team to get to the bye week, hopefully with a winning record. That's the goal. Obviously, Joe's health is so important. And no setbacks. But hopefully, as the weeks go by, his calf can get healthier. It can get stronger. That's what I'm hoping as we get towards that bye week on October 22nd, a.k.a. my birthday. And then... Fast starts on offense and just eliminate the sloppy mistakes, especially when it comes to silly penalties. And get the run game going. I just want to see a balance. I just hope that the Bengals just don't don't be throwing bro so much passes out there. Get Mixon involved. Mixon's finally healthy this year. You got to get that man going. He looks like his old self. He looks like Joe Mixon from 2021 when he went to the Pro Bowl and threw a pass in the Super Bowl that went for a touchdown. Get that man going. And I think that you just – you got to win on Sunday. You got to beat the Cardinals next Sunday. And then the Seahawks will be a tough game, but it's at home, and I think the Bengals are the better team. So I say 3-0. and you get to the bye week three and0 and let's do a record you'll be four and two my map is right yeah four and two at the bye week and then you come out of that bye week with a huge game against the San Francisco 49ers at their place you want to be four and two that's what I believe the Bengals' strategy is to get to the bye week
1: yeah I, I hope agreed. I think my main ones were just that the offensive line needs to keep holding up. They've been doing a pretty good job so far. Joe Burrow's been getting the ball out quickly, and I think that he's going to need to keep doing that to avoid getting hit as often as possible. Only five sacks through three weeks, but even with that, there's been a, a decent amount of QB hits, so we still need to keep those down as much as possible. Need to start activating the run game more often. I know that this week might not be the best time to do that against Tennessee, but we need to establish that and actually have that be part of our offensive game plan which it's kind of an afterthought right now and it needs to be part of the main conversation too the defense and I think they will needs to keep kicking ass they've been really killing it so far and shown I mean Lou Anarumo is really coaching these guys up really well on defense so I'm proud of everything that's happened on that side of the ball so far and keeping us in games that we otherwise wouldn't be with the offense so far so Really good job there, and hopefully, I mean, we just need to lean on that. And if we, I mean, if we protect Joe so that he can actually practice throughout the week, then the offense, I know, will find its way. He'll start looking a little bit more like himself. I honestly don't know if he'll ever be 100% this whole season. But if we can get him up to the 85%, 90% range, I think we'll have a very good team still. And it'll, he'll be able to do his normal touch finesse passes that he's really good at. But we need to be more creative play calling in the right situations we don't need to just pull out all of the good and creative plays on fourth down like we did all the time last year the only times we would ever do any of these crazy plays were on fourth down why not do it on first down mess around with it and try to you know choose the situation wisely the schedule i mean i'm with you very very realistically we can go three and oh during this stretch seahawks will be a tough game but it is at home the Cardinals, I know they beat the Cowboys, but they just kind of bullied and out physical them. And I don't think that our I don't think a Luian Arumo defense is going to get out physical super often. Often, hopefully, so I like that. Um, I like that matchup. I'm I'm feeling good about the Titans as well. I know those are both road games back to back, but I'm feeling good about it. I think. Honestly, at worst, I feel like we'll leave that three game stretch at two and one, but three and zero is definitely realistic. So, at the very worst, I think we're going to go into the bye week at 500, which is not excellent, but probably possibly not an insurmountable deficit in order to get into the playoffs this year. And the unfortunate part is the Ravens' schedule in that time is they play the Browns, they play the Steelers, they play the Titans. And then they play the Lions while we're on bye week. So definitely some winnable games for them. Um, But maybe the Browns give them a tough run. Maybe the Lions slow them down. Um, The Steelers are playing the Texans, the Ravens. Then they have a bye week of their own. Then they play the Rams. And then the Browns, they have the Ravens. Then they have a bye week. Then they go 49ers. Then they go Colts. So I'm thinking when we come out of our bye week, we're going to have – I think the Ravens will – be a game or two ahead of everybody else. And I think us, Browns, and Steelers are going to be pretty close to even. So I think we need to basically just keep the offensive line going, try to be creative with the play calling, but not do it in stupid situations, and keep leaning on the defense and try to get the run game going a little bit. And then we'll hopefully be just fine.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And the NFL was weird last week. We saw the Cardinals winning that game. And then the Texans went into Jacksonville and pretty much handled them. Just, you just never know. You never know. And, yeah, the Steelers are going to play the Texans. But C.J. Stroud has looked really good so far in his rookie year. The Colts went into Baltimore and beat the Ravens. I don't know the Ravens are missing seven starters. But still, you're the Baltimore Ravens. You should, have, you, sh- you should have beaten the Colts. They didn't have Anthony Richardson. Just saying. So, every game is not a shoe in But the Bengals just have to just keep getting better each week. And it starts by winning against the Titans on Sunday. Okay. Before we end this podcast, my guy said that he has some trivia questions for me. I'm not the smartest being in the world, but Tommy, hit me.
1: I okay. So some of the two of the three are based off of like sort of Bengals things. I'll give context in a sec, but the first one. There's one team in the NFL that hasn't had a single dropped pass yet, so their drop percentage is at zero. They're the only team in the league. Do you know who it is?
0: Damn. Wow, no drops. That's impressive, dude, three games. Let's see. Man, I'm going to say Packers.
1: If you can believe it, it's the Denver Broncos.
0: Get the fuck out. The thing (laughs) that allows 70 points to the (laughs) last week
1: for sure they uh they have a lot of problems but somehow they're at least not dropping the passes they're just not doing anything else i guess that one that was a tricky one this one also is is kind of a tricky one the other one i think you can get or at least it's a good chance so the dolphins naturally have the highest in-air yards per completion so we know what that stat is basically it's just like how long the ball is actually in the air before the receiver catches it for each completion. So the Dolphins are number one. They've been running crazy. Do you want to guess who number two is?
0: The Vikings?
1: The Raiders.
0: The hell? (laughs) Garoppolo?
1: It's probably like – it's probably Garoppolo just – or I'm sure it's Devontae Adams just kind of inflating that average or something like that, but some two – I noticed those two stats when I was looking at like some advanced stats and stuff earlier. And I just thought those two were interesting. This one, it was relatively recently. So the, you mentioned CJ Stroud, he's actually number five in the league right now in passing yards. He's thrown four touchdowns and zero picks. So that inspired this question with a minimum of 300 attempts. So not guys that came in like twice, who has the least interceptions thrown in their rookie season by a quarterback. He only threw four his rookie year, this person.
0: Man. Wow.
1: They're still playing, and they were relatively... Well, they were drafted within the last 10 years. That's my little guess, but they're still playing.
0: Okay. Yo, what? Oh, man. Okay. Um... (laughs) shit that's a tough one okay i'm gonna say rob purdy
1: oh no he actually threw more than four they he actually was up there though it's actually dak dak only threw four picks his rookie year
0: damn line prep. no hailline press
1: <laughs> i promise next time we do these trivia questions i'll have them be Bengals specific too or i'll have some i'll throw in a couple bangles ones too or some some UC or some Reds trivia to try to give you some cincy facts.
0: Oh no, those were good questions. I'm I'm just really dumbfounded by how the Denver Broncos have no <laughs> drop passes so far. It is wild. Geez, I mean their offense is not bad, but their defense—that's a discussion from later. <laughs> for <real>. later. <laughs> All right, so you got any more else to say before we head out? No, sir. All right, man. We'll do this again next week. And just like after every Bengals game, there will be an instant reaction podcast. Hopefully, it will be another instant reaction podcast win edition. And Tommy will be back next week recapping, hopefully, the Bengals win over the Titans. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Appreciate you guys listening to this podcast, as always. If you're listening on Spotify, Give it a five-star review. Leave a comment. You can give a, you can leave a bad comment, one-star review. I don't give a shit. <laughs> all my followers, and appreciate you, Tommy. And I'm loving this. Let's just keep it going. We got the first win down. On to number two. Yes, sir. Hi, right, man. We're out. Peace.